0: tonight Amen. well I've heard two understatements in the last five or ten minutes or so one by the Doherty girls oh what a Savior if that isn't an understatement I don't know what is then Brother John over here saying, I'm a little stirred up. <laughs> I'd hate to see him a lot stirred up, I guarantee you. What a blessing. It's good to be here tonight. Um, you can stand as long as you want to or sit. I do It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to talk just a minute before I preach. I want to thank... Uh, The church, Bible Baptist and everything that's gone into it, Uh, tremendous, tremendous amount of effort and finances and everything and I'm grateful to be here a few days and enjoyed myself and preaching has been absolutely uh, wonderful, wonderful preaching and uh, I hope I don't mess it up tonight. We've had had a pretty good run but I, I could mess it up tonight. But I do appreciate being here. I'm, I'm staying over at the Gravely Mansion. And uh, they got it all fixed up. I'm, I guess I'm like, you know, I mentioned the other night, every family has a weird uncle. They probably don't, so they've adopted me to be the weird <laughs> uncle, I guess. But uh, I do appreciate Brother Gravely and his family. They're precious people. And been just a blessing to me, and I appreciate also meeting several other fellows here this week, and then reacquainting myself with some people that I known uh, knew thirty years ago pretty well, and then I've been able to touch base with them again. I lost track of them, and glad to see folks still serving God and being faithful uh, to the work of the Lord. Uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time tonight. I know there's another speaker. So, I want you to look in your book, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And while you're turning there, keep Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 9 in your mind. There's a little verse there that said, He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. In March of 1999, I was asked to speak at a conference. And. uh, the fellow told me, he said, now you will be speaking with Dr. Tom Malone. Amen. And I was a, you know, I mean, that's 20 years ago. And I went there to school, and I highly respected Dr. Malone. And he's been very kind to our family over the years. He and my father were very good friends. And uh, he just was always a blessing and, uh, to me. And so I, I said, well, I, surely I'm preaching first. And the guy said, yes, you are. You'll be preaching first. I said, thank God for that. Who would want to preach after him? So when we got there, excuse me, before I got there, about a day or so before I got to the place, I got a letter in the mail. Uh, 99, I guess, was before emails, because I knew I didn't have a computer in 1999 or a cell phone or anything else. And I got a letter in the mail, and he said, Dr. Malone has requested uh, to speak first, and you'll have to speak Second. But he said in the letter, he said, Dr. Malone is of age, and so he'll be going home. He won't stay uh, for the service after he gets done. I said, well, that's a relief. (laughs) And so I put together this sermon. I don't think I've ever preached it since then. I don't remember ever preaching it since then. But Dr. Malone preached that night, tremendous message as always. And I came up to the platform to preach, and I looked out of the corner of my eye, and Dr. Malone was sitting there in second row. And I looked at the guy that invited me, I said, you're a liar. I said, either that's Dr. Malone's twin brother, or that's Dr. Malone sitting there. And he sat there that night and listened to me speak, and I preached on this same topic. I want you to look, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 15, and... 45. And so it is written the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As it is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Thy victory. I want to talk to you just briefly tonight on this topic. It's not so bad being second. Now we have, and I, you know, forgive my carnality, but I've been sitting by my brother back there. He has his cell phone out, and he is watching the basketball games. Be sure your sin will find you out. Gonzaga was ahead. just want you to know that. Listen, everybody's interested. Maybe not folks here. You know, the basketball. And, you know, there were 68 teams that made it to the big dance, they call it. And soon it'll be down to the final four. And you'll look at the crowds if you get a chance. Hey, we're number one. We're number one. There's probably people that didn't even make the NIT that this year said, we're number one. Nobody runs around and said, We finished second. That's just the first loser. That's all that is. Now, I said this the other night and I was a little facetious, but tonight I'm honest. I'm an evangelist. We are not organized at all. So, this is a disorganized message. But I want you to consider this the second Adam, the last Adam, was better than the first Adam. In verse 46, the first Adam was natural. The second Adam is spiritual. The first Adam was earthy. The second Adam was the Lord from heaven. The Bible says in verse 22 of this chapter, for as as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The first Adam brought sin and death and sorrow, and thorns, and thistles, and guilt, and pain into this whole world. But the second Adam brought forgiveness, and life, and hope, and peace, and joy, and blessing, and deliverance, and victory in Jesus. The second Adam is far better than the first Adam. Now, one of the problems with the first Adam was he listened to his wife. (laughs) She brought the fruit to him. I heard about a guy. He went to a service, more like a seminar, I guess, where a guy was speaking how uh, on, on the home, on the family, and the guy could not get his wife to go to the meeting, but he went alone. And the guy that night, he spoke how women should be in subjection to their husbands and how they should be in total submission. And I mean, he really laid it, laid it out on the ladies at that particular service. So this man, he went home to his wife and he said, honey, I tell you, you should have been there tonight. You should have heard him. It would have straightened things out. She said, well, what did he say? He said that essentially, just to put it into one sentence, I am the boss and you are nothing. She looked at him and said, he was exactly right. You are the boss of nothing. The last Adam, thank God, said not my will be done. He won victory. The second Adam is a lot better than the first Adam. That's right. You know what? I think it's an important thing, the last thing you do in life before you leave this planet. Yes. I want to leave it right. You, I want to leave it clean. You, I want to finish my course with joy. That's right. I, want to leave it I have a friend, preacher friend, dear friend, some of you may know Brother Kenny Graham out in Arkansas, he was a great brother. And Kenny, some time ago, was ill in the hospital. And as you should when you're ill in the hospital, he got the witnessing uh, to one of the nurses while he was there. And he said to her, he said, have you ever been saved? She said, yes. Now, you know, if you're not careful sometimes when you're witnessing and talking to people, you can take that as the final answer and you you don't go any further, but I I have learned, and I'm sure most of you have learned, and Kenny had learned. He said, well, tell me about it. Tell me how. Tell me the circumstances. She said it was in 1977. I was eating my lunch in a cafe along the highway. She said I was a nurse back then. She said a young blonde lady came in, Kenny filled in some of these blanks. She was 22 years old. She had just graduated from nursing school. She was getting ready to go to Bible school. And she noticed that I was in my nursing clothes and so she came to my table and said, could I sit by you? I've just completed nursing school. I'm going to Bible college. So they sat there and shared a meal together and while sitting there, Kenny's sister Witness to that lady. And so the lady said, I, the nurse said, well, I was sitting there and the young girl, she talked to me about the Lord. She witnessed to me and she led me to Jesus Christ. And I got born again sitting in that little diner. She said she finished her meal before me and got up and left. She said, I saw the sirens of the police cars and the ambulance go by. Back in those days, you young people don't know anything about this, but people had pagers. She said, I was paged. And they directed me to go to an accident just down the same highway I was on. She said, I went there, and there was that beautiful blonde-haired girl that just between five and ten minutes earlier had led me to Jesus Christ. And I'm there with her head in my arms trying to save her life. She died. Kenny, something clicked in his mind. He said, where was this exactly? She told him. When was this exactly? She told him. He said, that girl that won you to Christ was my sister. She died that same day, that same road, that same place. It was my sister that won you to Christ. Now, I'm gonna tell you something. Going to heaven's gonna be good, but if you just got winning somebody to Jesus about five minutes before you got there, buddy, you might be in the front row. I say, what a way to go into the very presence of God. I want to be faithful to the finish. Contemplate with me this for a moment. The second coming will be better than his first coming. The first coming was miraculous, but the second coming will be majestic. The first coming was to a stable. The second coming with a holy stairway from the stars and he'll split the eastern sky. The first coming he heard the shepherds singing. The second coming he'll hear the saints shouting. The first coming the wise men sought him. The second coming the saved will meet him in the air. The first coming he was a babe in a manger. The second coming he will be conquering king of kings and lord of lords. The first coming he was a speechless baby. Second coming he has a voice like that of a thousand Niagara's. The first coming he nestled at the breast of a daughter of Adam's race. The second coming he'll be the very word of God. The first coming he was clothed in swaddling clothes. The next coming he'll have a vesture dipped in blood with faithful and true written upon its vesture. The first child First time he came, he was a weakling child. The second time he comes, he'll be a reigning monarch throughout eternity. I was in a dead church once. I'll take that back. I've been in a lot of dead churches. I was in a dead church one time. I mean deader than dead. Big church, several hundred people, Sunday morning, I'm a guest. And the song leader led us in a, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. We sang that first verse. And the pastor, like most pastors, you know, they were singing it like they were at a morgue. So I'm out here in the congregation. I think I'm in the, the third row. I think I was. And I'm out in the congregation. And the preacher, he got up in the platform and he said, now listen, folk, about 800 people there. We can do a lot better than that. I want you to sing that song this morning, Sunday morning, like you had just got to heaven. You just went through the pearly gates. You just walked on that street of gold. You just saw Jesus' face. I want you to sing it like you really mean it. Well, I thought the guy was serious. (laughs) I mean, not only the church was dead, he was dry. They cranked up that second verse. I got out in the aisle. I had both hands up in the air. I'm shouting, I'm praising God. Matter of fact, I can't do it tonight because my knees are all messed up. I got down on my knees and I I was going like this. Hey, friend, we are going to heaven. You may be bored, but you won't be bored up there. We'll be shouting and praising God and rejoicing. The second coming is better than his first coming. Sometimes it's bleak, I know. A lot of times, seems like we have evil in the White House and sin in the church house and turmoil and strife at your house and all kinds of problems, heartache by the acre all around about us. But I'll tell you something. Jesus is coming. I thought that's what you were kind of interested in a little bit ago. You've kind of cooled off too, haven't you? I guess he shouted out already. Hey, his second coming would be better than the first coming. Now, think about this for just a moment. <laughs> your second birth was better than your first birth. I was born, remember this, because I'll be looking for some birthday cards come fall. I was born the first time, September 7th, 1949. I was born again, the second. I was born the second time, born again, March the 15th, 1970. My first birth will last a lifetime, but my second birth will last an eternity. My first birth brought me spinal meningitis, it brought me going blind, it brought me cancer, You said, Brother Green, you went blind? Yes, I went blind in my right eye. And uh, the doctor said, well, we have a solution for this. I said, what could that be? He said, you can get a transplant. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, someone can die, and they'll donate their body parts, and you can get an eye. I said, well, that'd be great. Let's get one right now. (laughs) Now, you know, I thought back, you know, you could go to Walmart or something and just buy one. He said, no, son. He said, you got to wait. Someone will die. And you got 24 hours back in those days. I, I got it in 1984. He said, back in those days, you're going to have to uh, wait till someone dies, and you're, there's a waiting list, and, and you can get on it. And I lived in Lansing, Michigan then. The hospital was in Ann Arbor, 55 miles away. He called me. said, you've got to be there tomorrow at 8 o'clock. I had a 55-mile drive. I got my car, started down 96, got on 23, almost to 23, to go to the hospital. And an awful thought came over my being. And I began to pray. I said, God, God, please, I don't want a woman's eye. I I, I don't want to look at things the way a woman looks at things. But I'm gonna tell you something, ever since, I have loved chop suey, and I've learned how to use chopsticks. (laughs) Hey, my first birth brought me heartache and pain, and more trips to the cemetery than I've ever wanted to make. My brother and I, we buried our mom in 1975, just a 45-year-old girl. Yes. We buried our sister seven, eight years ago this month. Yes. I buried my kid brother and his brother just older than him. We buried him five or six years ago next month. I, I, that's what that first birth brings. Yes. The sorrows of life. I have buried so many of my preacher friends. Yes. My wife came down with cancer. Three years ago, went through all of that stuff. You got to go through. I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's, that second, that, that first birth, I mean, it brings a lot of problems. But That second birth, that's going to make all the difference in the world. The Bible said it. In Christ, all are made alive. That first birth got me sinning. That second birth got me forgiven. That first birth got me in the green family. That second birth got me in God's family. That first birth got me serving myself. That second birth got me serving my lovely Savior. How's your service tonight? Now somebody talked about it today and I don't like tagging on to somebody else's sermon but I thought about it. I travel all the time as an evangelist to come home and I, that guy, whoever talked about his, his wife usually asking about how much money he made. My wife, she's much more spiritual than that. She asked me how many people were saved and then how much money did you make? She's really a godly woman. (laughs) Sometimes she gets those reversed too, by the way. You know what she did? This was in the last couple months. I think it was last month. She said to me, she said, Tim, I went to the DSW store today. I don't know if you have them down here. DSW is a woman's shoe store. You say, what does DSW stand for? The Devil's Shoe Warehouse. What stands <laughs> God help. You know, I've I, I preached in churches of all sizes. I'm kind of into the smaller the better nowadays. I preached a little bit ago in a little span of time. I preached in one church that had 3,000 members. I preached in a church that had 1,500 members. But there 1,500 people there. In that same little time span of about three months, I uh, preaching in several churches that ran 100 or more. But I was in a little church. Johnny knows the church. With less than 50 people. Just in January. And got the biggest offering I'd had in a long time. Never despised the day of small things. I've been preaching in that church for over 35 years every year. Yes. That preacher said to me, he said, Tim, this is the biggest offering we ever gave anybody. I said, well, I'm glad you gave it to me. Thank God. <laughs> hey, I want to conclude with this simple thought. Our second body is going to be better than the first body. My first body has let me down. My second body will lift me up. My my first body was earthy. My second will be heavenly. My first body wears out. My second body won't even wear thin. My first body is terrestrial. My second body will be celestial. My first is corruptible. My second will be incorruptible. My first body at times has been dishonorable, but my second body will be glorious beyond compare. My first body is weak. My second body will be powerful. The first was natural. The second will be spiritual. The first was mortal. The second will be immortal. Yes. And I love that verse in 1 John 3 two, Beloved, now. Now are we the sons of God. <laughs> and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. do think about that a while. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, it seems like the enemy has won. We get overwhelmed. We seem like we've expended all of our ammunition and our guns are empty. And the battle still rages. But child of God, we are on the winning Amen. side. Amen. I preached a meeting up in Marion, Virginia a little while ago. Um, it's the church that Joe Arthur's daddy pastored for a long, long time. And... Uh, the pastor's been there, I don't know, a decade or fifteen years now. I don't know how long Brother Lund has been there. But I flew in and he picked me up at the airport and he said to me, he said, Daddy's sick. I said, Well I know, I know you told me that a few weeks ago. I said, I've been praying for him. He said, No, he's really bad, preacher. So he didn't come to church Sunday and he didn't come to church Monday. And Tuesday we went out to lunch and, lunch and I said, Mark, we need to go by and see your daddy. I, I want to see your daddy. We went over the house. I walked in. I knelt down beside his father. I kissed him on the forehead. I said, I love you, brother. I love you too, preacher. I'm going to try and get to the service. I'll try, I'll try. And we had prayer and we left. i got it written down here. Sixteen hours later, he was in the glory. We had his funeral on Friday. They asked me to preach it. I did. Had the biggest crowd of the week on Friday at the funeral. Brother Lundy's mother, matter of fact, she's still alive. She's about 100 now. She was 93 years old then. I sat there and talked to her a little bit. I said, do you have any other children alive? She said, no. She said, I only had one other child. I buried him in 1940 when he was two years old. And now she's burying her 74-year-old son. 72 years old. Could you imagine moms going to the cemetery as a young lady putting that two-year-old baby's body in the ground? And then here she, 90-some years old, putting a 74-year-old son's body in the ground. She took my arm, she said, Preacher, would you walk me up the casket so I could say goodbye to Elmer? His name was Elmer. I walked up there that precious old lake. She said, goodbye, son. Goodbye. She's still alive. I talked to Mark just a few weeks ago. I left that church and went to another church in the Chicagoland area, large church, while I was there preaching. The pastor's son and daughter-in-law had twin boys on Tuesday. One of them lived, and the other was stillborn. You know, death reaches across the decades. It's no respecter of persons. It comes to everyone. It comes to all. I am thankful. I am thankful for the second birth and the second coming and the last Adam. In our country, from 1861 to 1865, and I know where I'm at, we suffered through the War of Northern Aggression. I thought you'd get that. <laughs> he said it right, the War of Northern Aggression. must be some Yankees here don't like that. But I kind of, well, we don't even want to go there. After the war was over, And our country was somewhat mended. Robert E. Lee, the greatest general this country's ever produced, in my opinion. He was at a homecoming at his church. And they brought in a guest speaker. And he preached that morning. They had eating on the grounds. Good church. And uh, he sat next to the general. And he remonstrated with him some of his regrets over the message. He said, I... I feel like I failed to press the point. Uh, uh, I really would like, I want to preach this message again. It was on the second coming of Christ. He said, do you have some illustration, some truth that might help me with my topic? The old general thought for just a moment. He said, yes, I think I do. He said there was a battle that raged between the north and the south, obviously. He said the enemy pressed us through the night. We fought into the darkness and somewhere before midnight it began to snow. When the dawn broke, snow had completely covered the field of battle. We could not tell who had won the day. We didn't know if the Yanks had won or if we had won. He said, one of my generals sidled up to me and said, Sir, I think you should order that the bugler sound recall. The bugler sound recall and he said the blankets of snow were folded back and some soldiers wounded and others whole and others helping others and all shivering. They slowly responded and rejoined the lines and we realized that we had won the victory. Now I want to tell you something neighbor, it may look bleak sometimes Oh, you've been—we've been encamping all week and been shouting and praising God. I wouldn't be surprised by this time next week that some of you will be suicidal. But I want you to remember this: that when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown in the new Jerusalem. I'm all done preaching, but I, your precious. Preacher here, Brother Gravely, he and I, we fell in love with one another over books. He loves books and I love books. And I've been reading a book at his house that he gave me this week, and I came down through there. I, had, I did not know this, the man talked about Isaac Watts and that great song, when I survey the wondrous call. And then he quoted a verse that I, hadn't, I didn't even know We we don't sing it. It's not in a normal songbook, I guess. But it went like this. And I can't sing. His dying crimson, like a robe, spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then am I dead to all the globe, and all, all the globe is dead to me. Father in heaven, I pray you'd help us.